there is no technological boundaries uh, for the U.S. to actually do it. The only boundary is the lacking of the digital leadership to make it happen and to convince everybody. Welcome to Ready, Set, Gov, the Better Government Association's podcast. Give us about 20 minutes and we'll give you the past, present, and potential futures of an issue critical to the citizens of Illinois. I'm Solomon Lieberman, Vice President of Strategy at the BGA. It's 8 a.m. at Mixed Kitchen, our trusted studio, and 4 p.m. in Estonia, from where, via Skype, we are joined by the Managing Director of the E-Estonia Showroom, Anna Pepperell, an ambassador for what is the most advanced digital society in the world. When we describe a country, we usually start with key data, population, location, size. Estonia has a population of 1.3 million and is about the size of Ohio, half of that being forest. It sits on the western front of what was once the Soviet Union, and it looks across the Baltic Sea to Finland. But what makes a citizen, what defines a border, and how a population is counted, all of this might be altered permanently due to the pioneering work of Estonia, which has connected its citizens, their data, and access to services in ways people of Chicago and Illinois can only dream of. Thanks for joining us on Ready, Set, Gov, Ms. Paperell. Hello, guys. I'm happy to be here. So you are our first Skype call, which is appropriate considering Estonia's relationship with Skype, correct? Yeah, that's right. We are pretty proud of uh, the whole world actually using a technology that a few Estonian brains were developing, and still the largest development center for Skype is located here with over 400 people. But still, in living in a, such a small country, we can still invent something that all the world could benefit from. How yeah. cool is that? Changing communication. So we're, we're really honored to be using that technology and talking to you today. I'll admit, I'm very excited. I'm a big fan of you and your work. So I'm, I'm geeking out a little, as we would say. So let's pretend I'm a citizen of Estonia. What is my relationship to my data? Explain for me a little bit more about how I get to take care of my own data. This is one of the biggest differences because around the world, the consideration is this the government is the owner of the data that they've collected about you. So they don't show you what they have and they don't have to, you know, prove to you how they have been using that. And this creates a lot of breaches and a lot of misunderstanding. And of course, people are feeling that they're, they've lost control over everything. Now in Estonia, the citizen is the owner of the data. In principle, government must show you the data that they have collected about you in different registries and they must show you what they have been doing with it. It is the same for medical information today. In the patient file, I can see my medical history from different hospitals. This principle of the citizen or the patient being the owner of their personal data actually allows to control how it's used. For example, if a doctor in Estonia will assess my patient's file, because by default, the digital health records, it's open to all licensed doctors. But legally, only your curing doctor can access it. And as a patient, when you see the log file and you see a strange doctor's name who never was treating you and you complain, this doctor will lose his license. Mm. Without the personal identification online and having things on paper, you can never get to this level of security and confidence because there is no kind of fingerprints on the paper. Got it. Okay. The first step in every digitalization, and this is our advice to all the other countries in the world, there should be 
a way to securely identify people. And Estonia, the ID card, the mobile ID is um, solving this issue. It's a cryptographical solution that has never been breached, that works together with the certificates. And the PIN codes we're using along with an ID card, there are two of them, one for logging in and the second for giving digital signatures. They just start the whole process of decryption and matching the certificates with the certification center. So kind of a two-factor authentication, Hmm. which makes it even more secure. So I understand there is this core belief that citizens should own their data. With this card, it was sort of a mix of what a social security number is, what a driver's license in, and maybe at some level a credit card. All of that and all the protection around it allows that access system for the citizen and then can control and see how that data is or isn't shared. How does X-Road fit into this? Can you explain what X-Road is a little bit more? The X-Road is kind of the main highway for data traffic. It is an open source platform that is secure enough and um, protected and designed to interconnect different government institutions or actually private sector. So any databases that you have and has the rules built in in each of the partners' uh, system. What kind of data can someone get from you and in which legal cases can it be done? Saves all the log files, does all the backups. And since open source, everybody knows what's kind of happening there. There is no secret ways or codes. The Ministry of Economic Communications who are managing Backstrode and adding partners, they are just giving a set of regulations of how uh, organizations should be connected, what are the rules. Mm-hmm. Let's say the eco-registry, right, mm-hmm. who has to perform the tasks of exchanging uh, the driving licenses, uh, dr- license plates, uh, registering and sales and medical information, probably at some point with the eyesight and mental health. And like it's a bunch of things that you need to make some decisions in this area. What extra allows is that no one is duplicating the same data the vehicle registry does not have the ID for cards, uh, passports, marital statuses, medical records, and so on. All they have is information about the vehicles, um, technical state, insurance. Thanks to the extra, they can easily access this information that, for example, population registry have. We keep the data in different boxes, in different places, in a totally distributed manner. And Dextrode is allowing us to exchange and reuse this information once it's needed to provide the service. So from security perspective, in a simplified version, of course, it's kind of the availability tool. So the data is available to all the institutions who need to work with it. If a person has initiated a service, for example, I apply to get some social benefits uh, for my kids then I don't have to go to any government institution and present the certificates of birth uh, of my kids and uh, how many are them and all my documents because this institution can just online access the data and this data is stored in the population registry and make their decision based on that. And that's why I don't even have to go there. Let me put it in terms of a life of a Chicagoan here in Illinois. So if I move into a new apartment, I might have to go to several different locations to give a proof of address, whether it's an electric bill, and then throw my show my driver's license. And if simultaneously my driver's license is expired, I might need to go to the correct office to show additional files. What you're saying is any piece of data is only entered once, and it exists 
in the place it's supposed to exist. And exrode is this connective tissue that ensures that all of it is accessible in the right way with controls in between those open and closed loops. Once only is exactly this principle that the different types of data are stored by different types of institutions. So no one is duplicating the tasks. There's no super databases, so there's uh, less risks for any cyber hacks. So let me ask you a couple more questions that just can help connect life in Chicago and Illinois to maybe what it could be like if we were more like Estonia. So what about voting? How does voting work today in Estonia? Well, surely some people prefer to go to an election board. And um, this is not something you do every day. And for somebody, it's a tradition. Mm -hmm. But for those who don't want to go, it is really important that they can do it from anywhere. Uh, So having an internet-based system in place. We're basically designing a special tool that everybody can use. In this tool, you basically are choosing the one you like from the candidates offered, digitally signing this voting ballot, and you are done. So this whole process takes two to three minutes. You can do it from anywhere in the whole world at whatever time you like. And you can change your mind as well. Hmm. A person in Estonia, a citizen can, while voting, actually change Uh, your minds, and only the last vote will count. So the new feature we added uh, last year is uh, end-to-end verification options. So what this internet voting platform as well is allowing is to check who you have voted for afterwards. So iVoting is actually a very secure solution. Let me just point out that in a difference of elections that happen in the U.S., We do not use any machines. Kind of electronic elections are referred to often, especially to use different machines to do the counting process automatic, but all the rest is done physically. Mm -hmm. So the risk for security breach is is huge. Mm -hmm. We're using one iVoting application, um, which you can download basically to any computer, no matter where you are, and... And therefore, vote. I mean, we've obviously dealt with uh, the Russian hacking voting scandal here in the United States, and I know that's existed elsewhere in the world. Your point is, is that's less of a concern based on how you have this online e-voting. Is that correct? Yeah, sure. And another thing that you might uh, think about is people are identifying themselves with an e-ID. You cannot hack an e-ID and vote in my behalf if you don't have my card and my pay codes. When you log in with your EID or mobile ID, which is a SIM card, actually, in the database from the population registry, basically, the system checks, are you eligible to vote? Have you voted before? And all the, the all beautiful features that is so hard to do in the physical world with documents. So the EID also functions as a mechanism for being registered to vote and then voting as you want to online, correct? Yeah, it has been an invaluable tool for actually any service. With my ID card, I go to my banking, I sign my contracts, whether it's a vocation application or whether it's an employment contract or a few million dollars contract. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, for example, submitted a notice of residence. Well, nothing can be easier than that in Estonia in just a few minutes. Because since you log in with an ID card, 
basically the system can identify is that really you and in the land registry there is information about ownership so if you own that property the data will be exchanged and your you will submit your notice of residence in a minute and it will be confirmed and if you are renting from someone the system securely knows who you are and then the owner of the property receives a notice and he has to digitally confirm, just logging into the similar environment to the state portal and just digitally confirm that, yes, you are allowed to be registered there. Hmm. So you don't need file cabinets anymore in Estonia, do you? There's just no more paper. Well, we still like to draw, you know, and make our notes and read books. And uh, it's the administration that we don't like. And I personally believe that a human brain is designed for so many great things. Uh, we know how to create, uh, to be innovative, to solve problems. And computer can never replace that. So people shouldn't be afraid of it. But when it comes to signing, stamping, faxing, all the nasty things and admin things that you have to deal with, why doesn't you let technology do it for you? I hear that. So talk to me about benefits. Some of this is pretty obvious. I don't have to go through several layers of bureaucracy to apply for a new apartment or confirm my new residency or vote for you know an official. I thought I read somewhere that Estonia has saved a significant amount of money as a result of this efficiency it's created. Is that something that you can quantify? Yeah, we try to uh, many times. Another question that is also is asked, how much money do we spend to get it all together? You know, mm-hmm. that's, so that's a complicated topic. But what we can say that having invested around 1% of state budget over the years for this e-development and innovation, we are today saving 2% of GDP just from using digital signature. Just by not signing things on paper and signing them digitally, we save so much time that we can actually estimate it into the middle salary and the working hours. When it comes to other aspects, our police is just 1,000% more efficient. They can check so many more cars on the road without actually stopping them. I I wish I could say we don't have any crime at all, but I guess that would be the ideal case. But we are much more efficient in checking, controlling, and understanding that there are more incidents. Then there's the healthcare. Of course, healthcare systems around the world the way they're designed, they're only focused on, you know, treating people who are already ill, mm-hmm. digitalizing our health record and making it available to doctors around different hospitals uh, so they could make better decisions about patients' health and digitalizing the prescription system, which allows you to go to any pharmacy just after going to the doctor, uh, pick up your medication with no papers, with a discount that you're entitled to. This has reduced around one-third the queues in the hospitals to get to those doctors. As in Estonia, for example, around 30% of people are those who have some chronic issues, whether it's a high blood pressure or uh, it's a diabetes. Mm -hmm. So there's no need to actually go to the hospital in order to get a paper. You can just go directly to the pharmacy that's the closest and the most convenient for you to go to. So in the United States, I might need to show a driver's license and an insurance card and then a credit card to go through those steps to get my medication. So if I go to the pharmacy in Estonia, I'm just showing my one smart ID. That's it, right? Yeah, exactly. Just to clarify a little bit, on the ID card, we have this number. It's kind of 11-digit number that is kind of a second name for me. Hmm. But... Differently from a real name, it never changes throughout life. It's like a personal identification code 
that you get when you're born in the hospital. And then no matter where you travel, no matter where you go, no matter if you change your sex or change your name or do whatever, you will still be the same person. So there can be thousands mic goals, uh, but they will have a different code, which means that you will never be able to actually get a benefit from another person. And this code is used, therefore, by other institutions who are kind of connecting other information with this code, not with your personal name, address, name of the document, and then your vehicle number, right? Mm -hmm. This database is much more thin, and it doesn't need all of those different levels of validation uh, to understand which mic and which street it is, mm -hmm. and so on. Okay, so before we get to what's next, can you describe for a little, we talked about potential benefits and cost savings and obviously time and efficiency. Have there been tangible benefits for people in Estonia who may not be as wealthy, who are disadvantaged, who experience poverty? Has this, all of your boom in technology and efficiency made life easier for those who life is often, can be much more hard? Well, it's hard to say if digitalization has been, you know, the one solution to solve all the problems. Um, still, Estonia is yet not the richest uh, in the world, but when it comes to getting access to public services with an internet and computer it's actually much more available to anyone from anywhere. Like people who live in the countryside, they don't have to go back to the city center or travel there. There are numerous uh, opportunities. And even let's say, well, in UK, it's a home office, an employment office, and uh, finding a job um, doesn't require you to actually go there physically. Hmm. You can online register yourself as unemployed and find opportunities for education, re-education, or find a job offers uh, using the internet. So what has been uh, done is trying to kind of create more opportunities uh, for people uh, and in a way to for those who not just provide the fish, you know, but teach people how to catch fish. So there are so many programs focused on entrepreneurship. For example, what is done also in the business area or to support entrepreneurship, freelancers, uh, uh, small companies, right, to develop is um, the fast and simple business environment. So like starting a company in Estonia, it will take with a computer, around 18 minutes of your time. You will have a fully functional juridical body so you can open a bank account, hmm. go in there, and you already have a company. From an administrational perspective, a business person in Estonia doesn't have to, again, deal with administration and paperwork too much. The e-tax, where you're just declaring your taxes, e-customs um, if you need to do anything in the area. And a report is only electronic, and basically that's it when it comes to, to dealing with the administration. The way how we see it is... Um, probably not as a typical in the welfare country to provide different uh, financial supports. And we invest money into the education and provide free of charge higher education to everyone. And the literature rate in, uh, in Estonia is 100%. Uh, we are at a very high level in our education efforts. Uh, and um, the entrepreneurship and encouraging people, designing different programs, startup mentorship. And we are also known as one of the most startups per capita country in Europe, like kind of a small Silicon Valley uh, where I'm talking now from. So kind of these are the areas that we, the government is mostly trying to invest in. 
start to create opportunities for people. Even though they live in a small country of Estonian, probably in the countryside, but through technology, they get access to international markets, international clients. I mean, access seems to be a, a key component of this. So before we get into some just final questions, so what is next? Where do you go from here? You started with Wi-Fi and internet, found your way to e-tax, and then this smart ID solution, which via the XROAD technology creates these ways to access and share data uh, in a much more efficient, secure way, and then build on top of all that. So what are you building? What are you doing next? Now, there's so many exciting things that we are working on. Mm-hmm. Of course, super popular around the world now, the word uh, blockchain, right? Mm-hmm. So very often seen in the light of the cryptocurrencies and uh, Bitcoin, our blockchain is different. And Estonia was the first nation in the world to use blockchain for the government, and we've done it from 2012, actually. So our blockchain is super lightweight. We don't record data there. We just record kind of a fingerprint representing the data to there. The integrity component and making sure that all of the data addresses, that all of the log files, they are safe with the blockchain. So no one can manipulate it. And even if, if there is a cyber attack, then we can identify it basically in near real time. For the blockchain now, the health data, the business registry, land registry, our state gazette, where all legislation are, um, and many other uh, institutions are already using that. But this is one of the areas that we are would like to expand and use blockchain for um, making sure the integrity of more and more databases and important data. For example, one of them is uh, connected with a data embassy project. And data embassy is basically a virtual embassy. Estonia has built the first one in June last year in Luxembourg, where we basically backed up all of our governmental critical data over there and secured with the blockchain, of course, for any tampering. And we are expanding that. We want to make our sovereignty and independence kind of, so no one can can, can change that state for us as we can operate on over the internet from anywhere, we would not lose um, our heritage, we would not lose our data because it will be backed up and diversified throughout different uh, countries. So it's portable, effectively. It's immutable, you can't change it, and it's this is the whole, I guess, that concept of borderless countries and nations going forward is Estonia can live on wherever it needs to. Yeah, exactly. We don't have a lot of uh, volcanoes or tornadoes mm-hmm. and other issues, but we have neighbors and Estonia is exactly at the border. <laughs> and, you know, if uh, some mashup is going to start, it's going to start here. So let me ask two more questions. Here in, as I gave you some examples, here in Chicago and Illinois, we are pretty far away from something like this. We take advantage of the internet and we have obviously some great technologists in our country and our city. Uh, But there's still lots of layers of bureaucracy and inefficiency. And as a journalist and part of our organization, we spend a lot of time trying to wrest data and information from our politicians. What would you recommend to an elected official if they were starting to consider building their own or starting an e-state in Chicago and Illinois? Where would you tell them to start? Well, I would definitely recommend to start with, uh, with personal identification. Because without it, it's like, you know, the wheels for the car. Mm-hmm. You won't make it move until you know who's in front of the computer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, having with that, it is necessary to identify what are the major issues or problems today, whether it's taxation or maybe it's healthcare, where you can 
start and create this positive practice with a real reliable and working digital solution. And if it works, then you can build up on that and expand it. It is extremely hard for such a great nation to make everyone collaborate and trust each other, but you have to get all also that once only principle in place because it makes uh, life much more easier for everyone. It actually gives the citizen more control of the data. It eliminates the big brother issue because there's just no super databases. So employing those underlying principles um, and showing the good example, at least starting working with, within government and within government institutions, trust each other, share responsibilities, implement the one song principle, uh, share, reuse data, but not store it all together and trying to control everything. So then it uh, suddenly might come out together because there is no technological boundaries. There is no financial boundaries for, uh, for the U.S. to actually do it. The only boundary is the lacking of the digital leadership to make it happen and to convince everybody. And it's the same in every country. And our job, I hope, is to help convince. So last question, and then I'll let you go. Can I be a resident of Estonia? Oh, yeah. And for all of those um, SMEs, freelancers, and good people who have an entrepreneurial spirit in their hearts, uh, e-residency program is exactly uh, what is designed for you from Estonia. We call it kind of a gift of Estonia to the world. You don't have to come to Estonia, but you can apply for an e-residency card, which has a similar functionality to the ID card. So you will get secure identification. You will be able to digitally sign documents. You will be able to establish a company distantly in Estonia, in the European Union, in this legal field. You will be able to submit your annual reports. You will be able to manage your company with the convenience of a how Estonian would do it. So with minimum administration. Mm-hmm. And you will be totally location dependent. For example... I've known a few Silicon Valley startups who actually don't live in the U.S. most of the time. They travel the world because of their customers and investors. And uh, having e-residency company in Estonia, they are not tied to any physical place and residence, but they are still have full functionality in managing their company, issuing bills, accessing service providers, and so on. And they, on top of that, get a tax evasion from um, not living in the U.S. for a specific time, which gives a tax benefit uh, when it comes to social taxes. We have over 5,000 e-residency companies so far. It's a kind of a young governmental startup. We just understood we cannot export all of our beauty to the rest of the world or impact the whole of the world to become so digital. But what we can do is we can open our business services to you, international business people, so you can be more location dependent, so you can be free. You can travel the world, but you can still have a a company. So any internet business or internet-related business or freelancers, journalists who benefit from this program. And so we are just inviting you everyone who are curious and would like to have and test an entrepreneurial idea, whether they plan to come to Estonia or not, 
there's a chance for you to do it with USMC. Got it. And I think it's just like, a uh, is it 100 euros, some steps online? And then you said, I don't have to come to Estonia, which makes me sad because after talking to you this long, I would just I want to find a way to get there and, and see how everything you've done, how that's altered what a country could look like. Uh, maybe I won't follow your directions and I'll just find my way there. Yeah, I know. It's funny. Estonians value their privacy. Okay. <laughs> and... Uh, we have around 40 square meters of forest per person here, and uh, it's not really crowded. Maybe in some crazy dream, we hope people will never uh, uh, kind of find Estonia on the map. <laughs> so uh-huh. our, our Italy can continue, but no, of course, I'm joking. Everybody are uh, much welcome. The tourism is, of course, booming, and Estonia has uh, to offer a lot for people who like nature and who also like technology and who like clean air, um, no traffic jams, and uh, nice food. Well, we have the food in Chicago, but we definitely, we have the traffic jams too. Well, thank you so much for calling in over Skype, uh, teaching us about everything you're doing in Estonia. And we look forward to following and learning more from you in the years to come. Yeah, thank you very much for having me and have a wonderful start of the day, everyone. (laughs) Thanks so much. Have a good one. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ready, Set, Gov, a production of the Better Government Association. If you like this podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps people find this podcast. For more information about us, go to bettergov.org. Also, be sure to subscribe to the podcast to get future Ready, Set, Gov episodes. Our production team includes Madeline Dubeck, Rachel Levin, Anam Hather, Mia Sato, Starlin Matheny, and Patrick Judge, with audio production by Mix Kitchen.